All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Coming in Hot is presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and Bobby Ryan. Good afternoon, everybody. Brent Wallace alongside Jason York and Bobby Ryan. Welcome to another live edition of Coming in Hot. It is Thursday, April 27th. We have a veteran NHL referee, Dave Jackson, who's now an ESPN analyst and does a fantastic job uh, doing the rules. Standing by, we'll get to him in a sec. Boys, good afternoon. Uh, we have some things to discuss after the interview. That'll be... Sends are headed to Sweden, um, and we have a new, I'll call it a game show that I haven't told you about that you're going to participate in a bit later. Okay. Nice. Can't wait. We're ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, before we do that, people have been asking for more sponsor reads from you two, so today we're going to switch things up. Uh, before we get to Dave Jackson, Bobby, uh, you're going to do Botano and BEI, sandwiched in the middle, Yorkie gets Renfrew Pro. I will just stay Love out of the way. Let you guys take it from here. As always, the show presented by Botano. So you tell me I'm doing this and then steal my first line. Coming in hot, proudly presented by <laughs> Botano. Visit botano.ca or download the app, the award-winning app, uh, state-of-the-art, the fastest, most user-friendly and advanced betting app uh, right on your tablet or your mobile. You could have the amazing world of sports always with you at Botano. Hundreds of betting options for events, and you can try some game parlays with Bet Builder. Also, live in-game betting and the most competitive odds in the market. Botano, the game starts now. Very good. Oh, here we go. Renfrew Pro. As always, our show is held together with uh, 
Renfrew Pro Tape. It's the one with the green cord. Wally, why do you always laugh five seconds uh, into my intro? Like I'm, I'm, I'm flying here right now. Um, you can find them on Instagram, uh, available at all major <laughs> retailers. Um, and uh, let's go to the next board here. But the Instagram, you can find them on Instagram. Uh, and don't forget about Free Tape Friday. Uh, give them a follow, Renfrew Pro, tag your teammates on limited entries, and don't forget to share your stories. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to contact HR about you. Like you're uh, <laughs> equity in the workplace here. You're not. You're, I think words per minute here. You might be like one word now for every thousand uh, dollars you're making here. Like, come on. Wow. This isn't fair. This wow. isn't fair. I've carried this show long enough. Uh, we'll oh, ask. You've had enough. We'll ask the yeah. rules guy to weigh in. Uh, and Let's get finally. <laughs> As always, thank you to our sponsor, BEI, Bonisher Excavating, uh, heavy civil general contractor um, for helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Always hiring, laborers, mechanics, concrete structure team, quality, con well, quality control technicians and drivers. Um, you can give them a, you can check them out at the website at bonisherexcavating.com or give them a call, 613-432-1120. When planning your next project, consider BEI for your aggregate supply needs. And don't forget, you work there, you get free ice on Fridays. And one thing I always forget, please slow down in construction zones for your safety and the workers' safety. Boom. The Boom. ice is now out. There's no more. I took a B <laughs> vitamin today, boys. I'm, 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 I was on it. <laughs> B vitamin kicked in. You fight your... I, we're we're gonna have to ask we're gonna have to ask uh, Jackson when we get him on Dave Jackson about when you get mic'd up, if the refs get nervous when they got to talk in front of twenty thousand people about messing up their words, like there's got to be a little yes. pressure there, don't you think? Oh yeah, well, especially oh, yeah. when they don't work or a player skates by and swears at you. Uh, do love that <laughs> shit, that stuff. Uh, without further ado, he's uh, refed over fifteen hundred NHL games, uh, AHL or sorry NHL All Star games. Uh, did his first game at the Quebec Coliseum in 1990. Dave Jackson, who's now on ESPN as a rules analyst, uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, thank you for joining us. And I'm sorry oh, you had to Thanks for having me, that. guys. No, <laughs> thanks for having me. I was just wondering, Renfrew Tape is a sponsor. Maybe you could slide some hockey tape my way. It's just, <laughs> since I right? retired, I got, for like 35 years, I got so used to just throwing a couple of rolls in my bag and I'd use them for hockey when I got home. And uh, my stock is running short. I have to go buy tape now, and it's <laughs> it cost me a ton. Right. Well, well, I took it for granted. Little, yeah. Took it for granted. Right? Absolutely. Like, when I left Detroit the last time, I was like, I don't know if I'm coming back. So I put so much. I'm still, I'm still using red plastic <laughs> tape from Detroit. It's, it's still going. Yeah. I oh, agree. hey, Bob, Jax, my when I when I finished my last year in Boston, I knew I wasn't coming back and never playing again. I left that rink with about hopefully the trainer's not uh, listening right now but 50 sticks 100 rolls of tape <laughs> i'm still living off that stash i love it. I, I i hear you you just take that stuff for granted i mean my son who's now refereeing played semi-pro and uh, he's got a stash of sticks in my garage but he's right-handed and i'm left so i can't use those either you know, just, you know <laughs> the stuff you take the stuff you take for granted it just now you got to pay yeah. for it it's just it's crazy it hurts so and it's funny it's like a $3 roll that you're like, damn it. I wish I could keep getting free more tape just because it's, it's free. Yeah. And I used to, you know, someone say in the locker room, Hey, who's got tape? And I'd be throwing tape all around and now I guard it. Like just, you know, keep it in my toiletry kit. And no, don't, I surreptitiously wrap my, uh, 
shin pads up and throw a tape back in and play dumb when somebody asks who has tape. It's only one strip now. Um, we'll move on, Dave. I don't want to take up all your time on tape. Um, you've uh, you've seen a lot. You've been covering the playoffs. Uh, I really enjoyed your stuff. I do enjoy now that they've used – uh, same with the NFL. You're using rules officials to help explain it to fans. Because a lot of times, without even getting into goalie goaltender interference, which doesn't make any sense to me still, uh, you get to explain the rules. And so um, have you enjoyed being on the TV side of things? It's been great. It's there's a There was a – pretty uh, steep learning curve because my wife used to joke that I'd be on the couch and, you know, just after COVID and stuff, I supervised for a bit and then I was furloughed. I was on the couch and I'd watch announcers get the rule wrong and I'd be, I'd be losing my mind. And my wife would say, you know, you're good at explaining stuff. It's too bad you're not on TV doing it. And then I, you know, I got my dream job being on TV, explaining it, realizing I don't have two and a half minutes to go off on a rant. I've got about 20 seconds and then I'm <laughs> being told to wrap it up. So uh, when I started off, I was, in my opinion, I was leaving uh, more questions unanswered than I was actually giving answers to because I was going off on these long tangents. So I had to really learn how to, you know, uh, make things go by a little quicker and um, be more succinct when I'm talking about what I want to say. Yep, absolutely. Less is more when they say it. Now, here's uh, before I get into it. The we want you on because officiating has become a, a talking point, and it's not usually what you want to have in the NHL playoffs. Um, and I know you don't want to assess uh, your colleagues' work, but how would you assess the way the game has uh, been called, for lack of a better term, uh, now that officiating has become almost a daily news content? Yeah, and I don't think that's anything new um, for yeah, as long sure. as I've been part of the game. And I, I just finished reading a book called The Klondikers about the uh, Dawson City Stanley Cup Challenge in 1906, I think. And one of the biggest things talked about daily in the papers back then was the officiating. Uh, it just seems that <laughs> it's it's an imperfect uh, it's an imperfect job. Um, it, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, you try and you go out there every night, and your goal is to be perfect, and it's just unattainable. Um, without speaking about uh, specific calls, um, I think a lot of things have gone right. I mean, we've had several major penalties. Some have been upheld, some have been rescinded. But the great thing about them is the process worked right. The guys got together, discussed it came up with a major penalty and then got to review it. And what that does is it not only gets the call right, but it gets the team off your back because uh, they can't be telling you, well, you owe us one or, or, or you screwed us. Um, it's like, no, we've watched it 10 times. We came up with the decision. You guys have watched it. You know we're doing our best out here and you know we got the call right. So uh, I really like that process. And people's, people's hair is on fire over, I'm going to say a handful of missed calls based on the number of decisions referees make in a game i mean they may call eight penalties but they've made a thousand decisions and every time the puck crossed the blue line every time the um every time a guy gets body checked every time a guy goes down uh, there's a decision being made and most of those are correct decisions so yeah the you know the squeak wheel gets all the oil um people tend to focus on the negatives but there's been a lot of good calls made i mean really good calls in real time without video assistance and nobody seems to um, you know, talk about those. Uh, one other question is w accountability gets talked about a lot. Uh, people like, oh, the ref should have to come out and talk to the media afterwards. I disagree with that. I don't think there's any point to it. But the question I have for you, and you know this, uh, that you guys as officials do get graded, you do get monitored, all that stuff. Can you just tell the listeners 
what happens uh, and how your performance is judged? Sure. You can start. I mean, you're auditioning for the playoffs day one of the season and your entire body of work is taken into account. So from opening night back in October, you've got a guy at your game probably 40% of the time, uh, ex-official, now a supervisor, he comes down, debriefs you after the game, files a report. Every game that's uh, every game you work, there's somebody in Toronto in the Situation Room watching your game, just your game, logging every call you make, logging every call in their opinion that they think you might have missed. That gets forwarded to the supervising staff. Uh, you get a mid-season uh, performance review, and then the end of the season, your body of work determines whether you get the playoffs. 36 referees, only 20 guys get to work the first round. So almost half the staff goes home. Um, once you get into the playoffs, that is thrown out the window, and it's how you perform in that first round. So uh, if you don't perform or you get outworked, you're on the golf course when the second round's on. You're not moving on. So these people that want to see referees fine for, for missed calls, well, they're losing out on bonus money. It's all bonus money in the playoffs for referees. And, and I can remember um, there'd be times during this, I mean, there'd be times during the season where you've had some controversial games. You're even wondering if you're going to get playoffs. And that email comes, your name's on it. You're like, phew, okay, great. Now I'm going to playoffs. Now I got to do my job. And like I've, I've worked in the like the third round, uh, game six, and that's where my season ended. I didn't get on to the finals. When I was working, only four guys worked the finals. And you always, I always was happy for the guys that moved on because I was never jealous. Those guys deserved to be there. But I told myself, this summer, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to be in better shape. I'm going to come out. I was that close. Next season, I'm getting there. And you go out in game two of the first round, and you miss a match penalty. And guess what? You're golfing in the second round. You're going, you know, <laughs> best laid plans. Best laid plans to, to get there next year, and you're done. And and it happens just just like that. And you, and you're out. Guys who worked the Stanley Cup Finals one year missed the playoffs the next. So these guys are accountable. Believe me. Jack's got to ask you too, as as from a player's perspective. When you get to the playoffs, there's that different sense of nerves. You're more anxious. You feel the anxiety. Do you guys feel that as well? Like, is that once playoffs come, Jax, and it's a game, a big game, are you guys, is it a different, you're taking a more of a breath? Like, can you feel that same kind of anxiety that the players are feeling? Well, people are going to probably say I'm lying and I'm just spewing tropes. But I feel I felt that way every game I worked, <laughs> other than maybe preseason. <laughs> like, you know, you're out there, you're out there and you just, you just want, like I said earlier, you just want to be perfect. And if you have a bad sight line on something and you're left not 100% sure if that's, if that's a call or not and you don't want to guess, I mean, it's like, yeah, you got to be focused. Now, obviously when playoffs come, you know that every penalty you call has, it's much more magnified. Every penalty you miss is much more magnified. So I, I used to tell myself and I just kept running it over my head as a mantra. If it's a penalty, you got to call it. Like focus, focus, make sure, but make sure it's a penalty. Don't overreact because a missed call, a missed call is not as bad as a phantom call. In my opinion, teams yeah, are going to yell yeah. that maybe you didn't call a hook or a trip somewhere. But if you call something that's not a penalty and the team buries it on the power play, that to me is, that to me is even worse. So you never want to guess for, on something. And that's why I'd keep that mantra in my head. If it's a penalty, you got to do your job. You got to call it, but don't overreact. Take that extra second and make sure you get it right. Uh, one more for me, uh, 
guys. Uh, Jax, I, I read that article. That you had a lot of great quotes in that uh, in that athletic article that just came out. And one of the things I noticed, you were talking about a daily affirmation where you're telling yourself, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. I'm going to do a good job. Are you an, are you an SNL guy, Saturday Night Live guy? Old yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You in fact, my, I is, quoted that in an article today. Is that did you get that from Stuart Smalley? I'm good enough, and dog got it. People like me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But but it's funny you tie in Saturday Night Live because in an article today, I was being asked uh, by Greg Rusinski from ESPN. Uh, he was saying, you know a lot of the veterans have left and now there's a bunch of young guys and people say that, you know, the referees, um, they're not as experienced, they're not as good. And I, I made a reference to Saturday Night Live and we're all old enough to remember. I've been watching Saturday Night Live since, you know, 1974, 75. And we always watch Saturday Night Live with the revisionist history. We always say, oh, it's not funny anymore. It was not funny like it was 10 years ago. But I said that every decade. Like I'd go, it's not as funny as it was 10 years ago, but 10 years ago I was dumping on it. So all these great referees that have re all these great referees that have retired, I, I mean, man, I wasn't as good as people say I was, <laughs> but they just through the lens of, of, of history, they seem to have this romantic uh, knowledge or, or vision that, wow, when Dave Jackson was working, like that was the last of the good referees. And now these guys are, uh, no, I was as bad as the referees before me and the referees are there now. And I was also as good as them, but people just seem to want to, um, uh, pine for nostalgia and say, well, this new crop's not as good, but they are, they are. It's just, some are less experienced than others, but you know, you just, you get through it and they gain experience and these guys become the veterans that everybody knows. Yeah. I got, um, just a question for me. I, I was going to ask as, as players, we feel the ebbs and the flows of the game. And then, you know, I, I think the more experience you have, you, as a player, you have a better pulse of the game. And is that something that referees have to develop as they come and go, like as they're, as they gain experience, they'll have a better pulse on the game. Um, whether the game's getting chippy or out of hand and they need to tighten it up. Like you mentioned phantom calls, but will there be, will there be calls during the course of a game to kind of bring back that, you know, to rein in the chippiness, the after the, the after the whistle, the scrums and things like that. Like it's not a phantom call, but it's somewhere it, it, it's a draw the line. Call, I guess I would say. Sure. And and what you said about like, you look at players knowing the ebbs and flows and some guys have no playoff experience and they get thrown into a game. That doesn't usually happen with referees because the league has the luxury of saying, I mean, if you've got a winger that's a rookie and he's playing well, he's going to be in the lineup opening night of the playoffs. If you get a first year referee and his season has been good, but not great, he's not working playoffs. Because right, half okay. the staff doesn't work, half the staff does. So the guys that are working playoffs um, have usually had pretty good seasons or are our experienced have playoff experience you talk about um a call to bring down the the, the temperature yeah it, it would be a control call now a control call you're not managing you're not you're not trying to affect the outcome here you're saying boy this this game's getting chippy this game is uh, there's too many scrums for example so you go to both benches and you tell the coaches listen i'm done with this too many scrums next time we have a scrum i'm pulling one guy out of the herd one guy, we're gonna get power play here. And you tell both coaches that. And then maybe next scrum, you'll see something that has happened several times that night that hasn't been penalized. And the referee then calls it. And everybody goes, oh, it's inconsistent. Well, it's not really inconsistent. They've recognized yeah. that they've tried to allow the players to play, but they're taking too much leeway, too much 
um, you know, they're taking advantage of it. So yeah. you basically said, well, I, I, I gave you a rope, but you took all of it. Now it's time for me to reel it back in. But I warned you. And now I'm calling that that one penalty. And you can call it inconsistent, but it's not. I warned you. It is a penalty. And I'm calling it. And you're going to kill two minutes, hopefully. And if not, well, that and usually that the scrums just stop. Because calling yeah. doubles all night long, that doesn't do anything. You just get guys, exactly. yeah. lesser talented guys, taking out more talented guys. And it's a good trade-off. Yeah, great point. Great point. Who's the maddest coach you've ever had yell at you? <laughs> well, it would probably have been the coach that was uh, coaching the game I was on the ice with because uh, I've, had, I've had every coach erupt and, and just lose their mind, um, sometimes deservedly. Uh, there's times I can tell you, I've been standing in the corner going, I'd be yelling at me too, if I was that coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> because like I just said, as hard as you try to be perfect, there's calls you get wrong and, and there's calls you miss and you just got to live with it. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of jealous as to how the system has evolved to where, I mean, double minors for high sticks can be um reviewed now and you can take them down you know if it's if it's his own teammate if it's a follow-through if it's friendly if the puck hits him i mean I, I remember doing a playoff game where i called a double minor for high sticking and the team scored a winning goal and guess what it was it was a follow-through and i was done uh, once again early in the golf. you'd think i'd be a better golfer for all the times I got <laughs> uh, early playoff exits um but you got that and then you've got the the major review i mean I've missed major penalty. That call I talked about where I worked all summer to maybe get to the finals the next year. And, well, if we'd have been able to talk about it on the ice and say, well, he got him in the head, let's review it, I would have got the call right. But I didn't. And I just that was the frame you, framework you worked under back then. And it's evolved for the better, I think. We get more calls right and less calls wrong. Jack, uh, Brian, Brian everyone, Murray, everyone, one, one quick sec, Yorkie. Just okay. a follow up on the coaches. Brian Murray was legendary for being having great chirps. I'm wondering if uh, you ever ran across Brian Murray uh, sarcastically giving it to you and you were entertained. <laughs> Brian Murray was mainly behind the bench in my first couple of years. So I was kind of a rookie and I tried to avoid getting into it with coaches. Uh, he was a GM for most, most of my career. But if you want a funny coach story, we'll talk uh, Claude Julien when when he was actually a player. So I'm old enough to have refereed Claude when he was captain in, in, in the American League. And uh, it was my first year in the American League, and he was captain of uh, – it was either it was Halifax, Fredericton? I believe. It was, it, oh. Yeah, it was either Fredericton or Halifax, but it was the Nordiques farm team. And they were playing Moncton, and I was flown in there day of game because someone got hurt. And I'd been mainly doing the IHL. They'd never seen me in my life. My name's on our sweaters back then, so Jackson on my sweater. And uh, there was a player playing for um, the Nordics farm team, uh, Mark Forte, I believe his name was. And I'd refereed him the year before in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And I speak French. I'm bilingual, and I worked exclusively in French when I was in the queue. And um, Halifax just getting handed to them. And uh, they're down about eight to one. And I call a penalty on Mark Forte. And he gives me some lip in French. And I, I give him two more. And then he gets in the penalty box, throws his stick, throws his gloves, and I toss him. So here comes Claude across the ice. And he comes up to me. And he, Claude Julien, he's a prince of a man. I love Claude. And he says, that's it, Davey. I, I can't take this anymore. I've had enough. I've left you alone all night. We, we haven't been bugging you, Davey. But you know what? I can't stand for this. You just tossed our player out of the game. 
He doesn't speak a lick of English, not one word of English, because I'm his roommate, and I know it. And you just threw him out because of what you thought he said. And I responded to Claude in French. Claude, uh, I'm fluently bilingual. I'm from Montreal. He paused a sec, tapped me in the shin pads, and said, hell of a call, Davey. And he skated away. That's so good. See, Jax, oh, I've told so you good. this all. I, I've told you this a lot because, Jax, you 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 were kind of admire a little bit too. The one thing you always did though is you talked to the players, and you mentioned too, even if you screwed a call up, you would let guys know so everyone kind of knew where they stood on things, where what what was going to go, what was going not going to go. What what do you think about today's guys? Do you think there's enough communication with the refs and the players? Because I always find the big complaint in today's game is players say. We're not sure where the line is. We're not sure what we can do, what we can't do. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, the, the games I see, the, especially in playoffs, I find that there's always a veteran on the ice. You'll have a newer guy, but you'll always have Wes McCauley, Dan O'Rourke, Kelly Sutherland, uh, Kevin Pollock. Like, they'll be out there on the ice. And sometimes they'll take the lead when it comes to communicating with the benches and things. Um, but you... They also don't want too much talking in playoff games because it can be used as, mm. as a tactic. You know, we're get we're just get you know we're tired, and the more we can engage the referees, the more the more time we get between uh, puck drops. So you don't want it to become a tactic. Um, I do believe in communication. I think the best referees out there, and you can see them. They're you can hear them all night. You pick them up in the mics, and they're just telling guys. I was always a proponent that if you can avoid a penalty with your voice. If you can tell a guy when he's getting close to playing on the edge, why not? It makes my job easier, right? You, you don't want to yeah. take the easy way out, but you always want to make your own job easier if possible. So if you can communicate with players, if you can, if you can, um, you know, sort of tell them where the line is so they know, um, I think it goes a long way to, to gaining respect and to managing the game. Like, I think it, I think the game goes smoother when players know where they, where they stand. Jax, you were two slashes. You got two slashes of the forwards going wide on you. Third one, you're calling it every single time. <laughs> different. <laughs> Except different. Back in hey, um, do you know what, though? Are you listening to what's going on with, uh, with Sheldon Keith and Cooper right now? They're going back and forth in the media saying they're manipulating the referees. Yeah. Do ref are referees, like everyone's thinking they're manipulating their refs, is there anything to that? Like, seriously, are the, are the referees taking note of this? No, uh, I, I would hope not. And I can speak from personal experience. Definitely not. Uh, usually in regular season, I would tune it out. But come playoff time, I would watch. I'd go into my hotel room and I would watch um, CNN. I would watch um, Netflix. Not a chance I was turning on Sports Center or Sports Desk. I wouldn't do it. I would, newspaper would come in the morning. I'd pick it up at my, at my hotel doorstep. I'd throw the sports section in the garbage. I'd do the crossword. I would read the, the paper. Um, I didn't have Twitter back then. We didn't have social media, but um, Facebook and all that stuff, I wouldn't look at it, refuse to look at it because once that starts infecting your, uh, your mindset, then you're done. Your self-confidence, they're never going to say good things about you. So the mm. easiest way to do it, easy way to avoid it is just don't even look at it. And... That's how I know my generation worked, and there's still enough guys from my generation that are now working in the playoffs. I know for a fact those guys are the same mindset. It just doesn't even 
you know, doesn't come near them. The series supervisor, who informs the referees before every game what has happened so far in this series, the great thing about him is he acts as someone the GMs and coaches can vent at and finally get off their chest what they want to get off their chest. And then he can hear it in this year and let most of it go out this year and bring to the referees what he needs to bring to the referees. And the rest is just all white noise. Gotcha. Dave, how do you handle being yelled at like all the time? I, I, it's constant. And I don't know, like, how does that affect you mentally? How do you prepare for that? And, I, and I'm, I'm dead serious. Like you get yelled at being, and I'm sure you've heard terribly vile things yelled at from fans uh, and probably from players. I'm just curious to how that affects you mentally. Well, I mean, uh, I used to, uh, line I used to use, someone would yell at me and another player would say, are you going to take that? And I go, my wife gave it to me worse last night, you know? Um, <laughs> like getting yelled at, you don't even hear the fans. I mean, people think you do, but you really don't. I mean, the glass is so high, the music's blasting, um, and you're so focused on the game. You don't hear the fans. I mean, you might hear a collective roar of booze, but you don't hear the fans. And, w- and when you've made a really tough call to end a period and you come back next period. If you know the crowd is just going to be on you, you just hesitate a bit, let the home team hit the ice first. And then you hit the ice at the same time as the home team. And then they're all plotting, right? So uh, you're playing chess. But, but, as far as, yeah, but as far as getting yelled at by players and coaches, I used to take the vein that if it wasn't disrespectful, they're telling me, hey, you know, wake up. Well, that's not a call. It's like, that's your opinion. If you start getting personal and trying to insult me, then I'm going to draw the line. And, you know, I have a lot of tools in my box for that, twos or tens. But normally what I would do if if I wouldn't shy away from a a player or coach, especially from the bench, on the ice is pretty easy. You just skate away. The play's going. It's usually forgotten about. If it's you're doing a line change and you're getting it from the bench, I'd go over to the bench and I would – I would call the person by the by their name, a player or, or, or yeah. a coach, and I'd say, "Hey, I heard you the first two times. I heard you. I don't need to hear it a third time. I got you." And they'd go. Usually, they go, "Okay." And if they didn't, well, then you know, maybe they'd be sitting for two. But usually, they just want to be heard. And if you acknowledge yeah. that you heard them, it's usually good enough. Jax, I got to ask you. Wally's question kind of made me think of Bull Durham. Do you have a word like in Bull Durham? It, I, I think it was, did you call me a cocksucker? I didn't call. I dare you to call me that. Do you got a word that just like, as soon as that word's out, you're teeing that coach up or that player? Well, that would be one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, and we can all guess the other four or five. Um, if, you, if, if you're going, if you're going to come after me, on a personal level, um, I think you have to. And it's not even that you yeah. you really think that he's insulted, but you just you can't let the other players see that he's letting you're letting someone talk to you that way, uh, yeah. because then you don't really. How do you then come back against another player and go, well, he called you the same thing, and you let it go? So I think you have to be consistent in, in that nature. But honestly, in 32 years of pro hockey. I can count on one hand the time I've had to really uh, penalize someone for personal attacks. It just doesn't. I mean, you guys both played. It just doesn't happen. I mean, you might say it under your no. breath, but you know, yeah. you know what I mean. And sometimes, sometimes if you catch something like that, it's it's usually simple enough to say, "What did you just say to me?" And yeah, usually, if they're smart enough, they'll say, 
nothing. And I say, okay, I thought so. And you skate away. You don't want to be confrontational, but you got to let yeah, them know. You're I've, uh, I've been a guy that said a lot under my breath and as I was skating away, but that being said, um, on a lighter note, I was wondering about this. Um, as players, we always had buildings we hated going into. Um, for me, there was a couple that I just the built like Carolina with that wind tunnel that you have to go through to get out there. Yeah, uh, a couple, yeah, a couple other buildings that just didn't sit well with me going out onto the ice. You knew it just it wasn't a preferable building. Did you have any personally that you when you saw it on the schedule and you knew you were coming up to that building that you just thought, ah, I haven't maybe I had a bad experience there and it never went away or what? You know what, early in my career, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to work all the old buildings other than uh, the Olympia in Detroit and the, uh, I believe it's called the Corral in Calgary. Uh, other than that, I worked all the other buildings and uh, it was it was an absolute thrill. Uh, the Montreal Forum, Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, um, just, just absolute thrill. Uh, the spectrum of Philly was intimidating because yeah. the fans there just, <laughs> uh, they let you know what was going on. And I guess probably just the history of, you know, the Broad Street bullies and stuff. So you kind of, you kind of had that in your head when you went in there. Uh, I find a lot of the arenas now are sort of cookie cutters. Um, yeah. So I think what it comes down to now is the atmosphere. And as a referee, at least for me, as I got gained experience, it was never an intimidation factor where, oh boy, I don't want to go in that rank because the fans are going to give it to me. That's part of my job. And you just, like I said, you don't even really let that, um, affect you whatsoever it was and it's cyclical depending sometimes on you've got your traditional hockey markets that are going to sell out no matter what then you have other hockey markets that when the team's doing well it's a great atmosphere when a team's not doing so well and the fans stop coming it just it makes it a little a little tougher to get up for the game you know you're yeah, going it's yeah, easy absolutely. to i mean you guys have played especially in playoff games you hit that ice and the horns blowing and and the, you know the, the noise and the crowd and the music Man, if you can't get up for that game, there's something wrong with you. There's other games where you go out and you mean, you, you're afraid to talk to one of your partners on the ice because you're afraid someone in the stands is going to hear what you're saying. And <laughs> yeah. those games are tough. Those games are tough. Those are games where you have to work extra hard to to focus and not just say, well, this game doesn't, doesn't mean anything because there's no fans here. It means something to both teams. And it's incumbent upon the referee to treat that game like any other game and just work a little harder to stay focused. Yeah. Jax, I wanted to ask you this earlier. I wanted to ask you this earlier. It's it's kind of about the rules things we were talking about. What where do you stand on how far they've gone with those offside challenges? Do you, are you a fan of those? Do you like because we're talking about inches and we're slowing the game down? And I know why we have it because I'm at Duchesne yep. whenever he went offside by 20 feet. But like, yep. what are your thoughts on that? Do, do you are you a fan of that of just getting it exactly right, or are you, are you not a fan? <sighs> You know, I, I'm a fan of the fact that we have the ability to get the call right. I really am. Um, I don't think the rule was designed for millimeters. Um, and, you know, we did we did make large strides by taking away the foot on the ice. Now it's just breaking the plane. So it's a much yeah. quicker review in, in a lot of cases. Um, I, I don't believe it was brought in for the tolerances we're seeing now, whether it's on high sticks or... Um, offside, but I really don't have an answer as to, I mean, it's got to be all or nothing. Uh, where yeah. do you draw the line? Uh, something that's inconsequential to you might be a huge deal to the GM that's losing. You know, we need to get that call right. So um, I think Mr. Bettman said it well. He goes, be careful what you wish for when you bring in this replay because uh, 
you know, there's unintended co uh, consequences. And I th think that's what we're seeing in the millimeter offside, um, things like that. But I really, I mean, maybe someone on a higher pay grade than me can come up with an answer. But I think once you have a replay, it's all or nothing. And that's, exactly. we just have to live with it. Do you understand fans' frustrations with goaltender interference? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Has that been an issue? <laughs> uh, for like the last, I don't know, five years? Um, I've said this before, and I don't want to come across like I'm bragging or whatever, but I don't think people understand the rule. I don't think they understand the yep. criteria and how the rule is interpreted. Uh, NHL.com on their website has an amazing um, feature. It's called Video Rulebook. And if you click on video rulebook, there's a 10 minute video on goalie interference and it covers, it covers every possible option of how the guy get in there. Uh, was he pushed in? Uh, what was the goalie trying to do? Um, I think if you, if you really know that, if you, if you look at every goalie interference call and apply the interpretations from that video, it becomes a lot easier. There's always going to be an outlier. There's always going to be, if you showed me 20 right now and didn't tell me what the end result was, I'd probably get 15, 16 of them right, or right based on what the situation room ruled on them. The other four I'd get wrong. It was an outlier. It's their judgment versus my judgment, and it comes down to a very 50-50 call, and they went one way and I went the other. But I think knowing the rule, the written rule and that video, really, it's a great explainer, and it really helps you to go, okay, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to say, how do you get in there? Um, did he prevent the goalie from doing his job? Was the contact inside the blue or was it breaking the plane on the outside of the blue? And I think if you take all those things into account, you could really up your average anyways on getting them right or wrong. Uh, fair enough. And, and the NHL does do a pretty good job of the rule book. Um, I, I know we got to get going. So a question, uh, is there any particular rule that you... you guys can keep bringing them oh. at me. Fair <laughs> enough. I got lots <laughs> of questions. Just pepper them. Um, I have a thing where I say last question and it goes on for about 10, 10 more questions. Yeah. Um, is 
uh, is there one particular arena that you found tried to influence the officials by sending better catering, uh, would have a better lounge set up? Uh, did anybody try to influence you with their amenities? Uh, there was definitely a hierarchy of amenities. Uh, I'm trying to think back on it. I mean, we have some rinks where you could actually order off the menu pregame. And you'd come in afterwards and literally there'd be a uh, like a trainer's cart in there with the uh, metal tops where you take off, you know, take off the platter and your food sitting there, um, bring you craft beer and other places. It's, you know, a cold pizza and a couple of Gatorades. Um, So there's definitely a hierarchy, but I'm trying to think about the best rinks. And I got to tell you, historically, the best rinks that I can think of have moderate to middling success. So I don't think there's any, uh, I mean, certainly with us, it wouldn't matter, but I'm not sure if teams uh, realized after a while that it's not working, so we're not going to do it. And I think most of the teams just, that's their philosophy. We want to treat you guys first class and they do. And for the ones that, uh, you know, treat us, I mean, we have full buffets in some rooms and it's just fantastic. And those teams have never really attained major success and i don't think they do it to try and influence the referees they just do it because they're classy organizations you have a problem staying yes. away from the hot dogs in montreal though <laughs> <laughs> well i grew up in montreal uh, going to the montreal okay. forum and i tell you one of the happiest days of my life was not having to pay for a montreal hot dog and yep. uh, in the old montreal in the old montreal forum uh, York, you're too young. You wouldn't have played there, did you? Oh, I played okay. in there. I'm not that young, Jack. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I just wasn't sure. I'm just checking. But um, when the game was over, that there'd be nothing, there was no fridge. Now you've got a refrigerator and a drink cooler and everything in most locker rooms. There was nothing in that locker room. I mean, there was the hum of the compressors right behind the wall, and you had hockey benches you sat on. But it was the Montreal Forum, so it was still amazing. And uh, the game would end. And within two minutes of the game ending, there'd be a knock on the door and there'd be a regular hot dog vendor just at the door. And he would have a, uh, he'd have a two, four Molson export on one shoulder and he'd have two dozen hot dogs under his arm. And he'd walk in and just pop, pop them right on the big training table and out he would go. You'd tip him a couple bucks and <laughs> you went. And I, I tell you what, you'd have, you would dive into those hot dogs. Like, I mean, like you'd never seen one, you know, you'd, you'd have four yeah. or five hot dogs down before you even got your skates off. It was fantastic. So, so Jax, uh, hot you... dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs in Montreal. And I always ask players this best city to go for a beer for the officials after a game. I always like New York City. Uh, New York City is just has so much to offer. Um, the bright lights. I, I remember as a kid wanting to go to New York City and I never went to New York City until I was actually refereeing. And I, it just it just struck me. It was it was everything I thought it would be. And I always made sure it was just, just me. I, like if I had a three piece suit, I was wearing it to the game at the garden because, you know, you get dressed up for these events and it's Madison square garden and you come out and you were in no rush to try and um, get back to the hotel and order food before the kitchen closed. There's always places to go. And, and now that Vegas came in, it's, it's sort of the same way. I, I remember I, I did the, um, the home opener in Vegas of uh, their first year. That, that was my, that was my final season. And it was a, it was a seven o'clock start, I believe. 
and we got there and the unfortunate events that had happened right before that with the with the shooting and everything and they were having this massive they were having their massive opening ceremony but then it was even longer because of paying tribute to all the first responders and everything it was a very somber event and we looked at the the game timing sheet and the seven o'clock game puck drop was like 8 20. and i remember wow. one of the linesmen saying to me he's like oh 8 20 he goes we're gonna we're not gonna be able to get any food after the game i just looked at him i said dude we're in las vegas <laughs> We can get a steak at four o'clock this morning if we need to. So yeah. don't worry about it, you know. Um, but I just always liked cities where places stayed open later because you're not out of the, you're not out of the rink until eleven o'clock, and um, yeah. you know sometimes it's tough. You, and you can always get you can you can always get food, but you can't always get good food. You know, you can only have so many chicken wings and and things like that. It's nice mm -hmm. to be able to go out and get a, a chicken salad or something. So. Places you have options were always my favorite cities to work in. Uh, one quick question from uh, from our live chat, uh, Dave, and that's we know you're from Point Claire. Um, Belle Provence or La Fleur's hot, La Fleur hot dogs? Uh, did you have a choice, a preference? Well, La Fleur's hot dogs came along before La Belle Provence in my neighborhood, so I was always a you know Friday Saturday night at. Uh, whatever time it may be at Lafleur's, they were open 24 hours. <laughs> so for me, it sort of answers Lafleur's. They were closest to my house as okay. well. Fair enough. I want to show you this video and I know I've sent it to you before to have a look at it's uh, the mad Sogard play, which in Ottawa still baffles a lot of players and people's minds. Um, it looks like it should be blown down as frozen. It sits there. This is against Colorado. It's still sitting. I, can you explain this to me, please? Sure. Can you back this up? Or is it a possibility to yep. back it up to the start? If you back it up to the start and stop it uh, right right about now is good. Just leave it there. Can you see the linesman in front of the uh, bench? He's pointing yep. with his arm. Right there, he's pointing. It's not icing. He's not icing because there was a pinch, I believe, at the blue line. You can see this sort of huddled mass beside the Pepsi sign. I believe there was a pinch that happened right there. And... After he points, he actually makes a wave off. So even though everybody thinks it's icing because it was rocketed down the ice pretty hard, he was very adamant that it's not icing. He might have also been the only one on the ice that knew it wasn't icing because everybody else seemed to think it was. And I think what happened here, now I, I'm just surmising because I didn't talk to any of the guys involved, but I think what happened mm -hmm. here is when it came off the end board, the deep referee was also thinking it was still icing. So he hesitated. He didn't feel the need to, to um, normally if there was a, a scramble in, in front of the net, the referee would sort of pounce on the net. And you can see he's down here in the bottom of the picture. He's not going to the net thinking there could be a scramble for a loose puck because I believe in his mind it's icing still. Then he realizes the whistle doesn't go and he can't see the puck from, from where he is. So as, he, as there's no whistle, he goes to the net and next thing you know, the puck is in the net. And he has to assume that, while well, the puck was loose, which it was loose by the time it was knocked into the net. The only thing missing there is I believe it was covered in the, it was covered there. Um, right. That's a missed call then, correct? It should have been a whistle. Yes. Okay. Should have been a whistle. Okay. Does that make everybody feel better? Well, um, <laughs> well not mad so good. But yeah, it, right. uh, I so, just, I didn't, well, it's so long. It looks like if you don't see, the one thing I've always been told, Dave, I didn't mean to cut you off, is 
if the ref yeah. loses sight of the puck, it's supposed to get whistled down. Am I wrong? In theory, yes. In theory, there are times now, uh, now that we have video review, that on a scramble, I'm talking, a, you know, not, not this play, I'm talking in a scramble, there's mm -hmm. times you can't see the puck, but you know the goalie doesn't have it. You can tell right. by the goalie's body language. You can tell he's reaching behind him. His pads are just moving all over. You know he doesn't have it. And back right. in the day, we might have killed it because we lost out of the puck. Now we have the luxury of a little more patience to go, I know he doesn't have the puck. And if I'm wrong, the coach can challenge and we'll overturn it on a coach's challenge. So you have that luxury now. Uh, but in this case here, now I don't want to blame the victim, but if I'm the goaltender, I'm picking that puck up in my glove and showing the referee I have it. Yeah. Which doesn't change the fact that, yes, there should have been a whistle. Um, I think if they... And this is just surmising again. If they could do it all over again, I think he, because there's nothing Toronto can do to help. I believe they did a goaltender, uh, a coach's challenge here. Yeah. But yeah. when that puck was knocked in, there hadn't been a whistle and the puck was loose. So there's no goalie interference. It's not like his glove's over top of it and he knocks the glove loose. The puck's just sitting there. I think That's if they had this goal. to do all over again, they would huddle and the. Um, one of the other three guys, maybe the closest linesman, could say to him, listen, it's your call, but if you want my help, in my opinion, that puck was covered, and we need to get the call right. We're going to get dumped on uh, regardless. We're going to get dumped on if we disallow the goal by the Avs. We're going to get dumped on if we allow the goal by Ottawa. So we're going to get dumped on regardless. I think it's important that we get the call right and deal with the after effects, uh, after effects later. And I think if they had it to do all over again, you'd have probably seen the goal taken down. Um, it didn't happen, and just an unfortunate play. Yeah. Why do referees hate the Ottawa Senators so much? I saw that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a tweet? Well, it's all, every time. Um, Everybody, every fan base always thinks the refs are out to get them. That's without. Question. I was just gonna. Yeah. I was just gonna say if I had if I had a nickel for every fan base that asked me why do referees hate their team. Um, Thirty-one nickel. Know, I'd be I, I'd be on a yacht somewhere. It uh, yeah, referee. <laughs> I, I, I'm I, I'm going to go back to what I said early on. As a referee, all you want to do is make the Stanley Cup Finals every year. And the only way you do that is being as close to perfect as possible. And for you to go out there and try and hate a team or hold a grudge, it's going to come back to bite you and you're not going to be successful. And the notion that while well, the league wants such and such team to win or the league doesn't want such and such team to win, the league is not one person. The league is 32 owners. And that would mean... 31 of the 32 owners have all agreed that this one team's not going to win or this one team is going to win. And that's ludicrous. Yeah. It really is. The league is 32 owners and they all want to win. So the referees all want to get the Sonic Cup Finals. The referees all want to do the best job they can every single night. And sometimes you fail spectacularly, but it's not for lack of trying. And so to your Ottawa fans... <laughs> Uh, question, they do not hate the Ottawa Senators. It just might seem that way some nights. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Okay, I'm going to let you go, but I, do you remember the first penalty you called, who it was on? 
I don't, but I remember Guy Lafleur scored in the first game I ever refereed. And growing up in Montreal, uh, growing up in Montreal, having Guy Lafleur on the ice on the opening shift of my very first game was something that I'll never forget. And uh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe I had to pinch myself to say I, I'm, I'm on the same ice with Guy Lafleur. But you've got me on the penalty. I have no idea. Uh, by the way, Guy Lafleur scored a power play goal. Uh, Joe Sackick with an assist on that goal uh, as he played for the Quebec Nordiques. The guy who you called for slashing uh, was Dan Vincelet. Ben Dan Vincelet. I've never heard of him before in my life. Um, he played in the queue. It was a, he played in the queue, and I refereed him in the queue going up. Yeah. It came 57 seconds after a Claude Lemieux goal, which was clearly then you may, with a makeup call to give uh, to give him a penalty. <laughs> how much time do we? How much time do we have? Because I got a funny Claude Lemieux story. Oh, oh God! Yeah, you, go it. ahead. So, uh, I was a linesman in the queue before I was a referee in the queue. I was probably 17 years old, and Claude Lemieux was captain of the Verdun Juniors, and tossed him out of a faceoff late in the game, and he gave me an earful, and then um, after the faceoff, I backed up. And we made pretty hard contact and he gave it to me again. And I'm saying to myself, I think that was intentional. That was intentional. And then nothing else happened. And then, you know, what, eight years later, nine years later, I'm now doing an NHL game. And it's the first time I've seen Claude Demieux since that time. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, that was the guy. He didn't really like me. And I didn't know a lot of these NHLers, but I'm thinking, I remember Claude Demieux because he didn't really like me. Um, obviously didn't remember me because I was a 17 year old linesman, but you know, Claude Demieux is a pretty big deal. And, uh, there was an icing early in the game and it was just one referee back then. And I was with two veteran linesmen. It was, um, Ron Alselstein and Ray Scapanoa and Ron Alselstein calls an icing that Claude didn't like. And he was giving it to uh, Ron Alselstein, just giving it to him. So I come skating around the ice and going, well, I get the armbands on now, Claude. So, you know, make sure that. You don't go over the line here. He stops mid-sentence, turns to me and goes, you look familiar. Did you work in the queue? <laughs> I said, <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I did. He goes, I thought so. He goes, you were a linesman and Verdun. I went, yeah. He goes, and this is your first game tonight. Congratulations, man. I hope you have a great career. Taps me on the butt of his stick and skates away. And I'm left standing there going, Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's great. You know, I mean, Claude gets maligned a lot, but Claude had a good side to him. He was, he was a good dude. I mean, I always enjoyed my conversations with Claude. That's great. Okay, that's great. Uh, great. we're going to let you – I don't want to keep you any longer, but I appreciate you stopping yeah. by. Um, and also your work on ESPN has been fantastic. We're lucky we get to see you now in the yeah. postseason uh, on a nightly basis. So uh, thank you. I know you got to do some games tonight, so we appreciate your time, my friend. And by the way, Thanks, Jack, uh, people in, the people in the chat today were uh, very excited to have you on. Lots of great things being said. So they uh, stick taps to you from all the fans listening. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. We'll do. Thank there you. goes Dave Jackson. Uh, 1,500 NHL games. He did the uh, Sochi Olympics, uh, 2002 All-Star Game. By the way, his son is a linesman in the NHL now. Uh, congrats to him. Um, I really enjoy uh, Dave Jackson. And uh, it's just good to hear the other side, right? Bob, did you have Jax at all uh, when you played? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, He. what was his last year? Well, his last year would have been the year that Vegas came in. Is that 2017? 
give or take somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I had him for <laughs> nine years and, and, um, I didn't remember him by name until I saw him pop on the show today. And I said, Oh, that guy. So I do remember him. I had him for a little bit. Um, uh, 2018 he, was his final game. He's got a touch yeah. of old school in him, which is kind of, it, you've kind of lost that. It's nice. In, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I know for a fact, and I remember like there were times where guys were hurt and I would wear a letter. Um, and Gee said to was it Gee? one of the coaches said to me, do you know why you're wearing the letter? And I said, because we're young. <laughs> he said, no, um, <laughs> because, because I don't have a guy that can go to the referees and say, how's the family that's been in the league for long enough that, you know, does the, like that stuff's important. And I've noticed that over the course of my career that it dropped off significantly. Um, I think it's uber important to chat those guys up between the whistles and just, Hey, how are you? You know, travel been good. Wife, kids, good, whatever. Um, you don't get a personal relationship with them, but I think it goes a long way to the way they treat you and your team. Well, let, listen to Jax. He still re, he still remembers a story from when Claude Lemieux came to him, whenever that was, 30, 40 years ago, and told him, hey, good, good luck, because these guys are human. And I had Jax a lot. Like when I came into the league, I, I probably had him for at least 100 games, and he was a guy. And anyone listening to him talk here, personable guy, good guy you just knew you weren't getting screwed because you always feel like getting screwed but he's just a guy and he if he made a bad call he would say he would say guys hey we owe you one like like i i blew it like he's an honest guy and then at the end of the day we all know refs are gonna fuck up it's it's uh it, it's part of the game but man uh i agree bob that's something we're missing in today's game a little touch of old school like it uh it's for me it goes a long way I, I feel like Brady would have that. Yeah. Brady, Brady would, yeah. Yeah. Brady's got it yeah. a little bit. Um, and you know what? I noticed that uh, we were following a team around and I can't remember who it was that was playing the Preds or somebody the night before that had all the pictures of the referees taped to the dashboard where the water bottles were. Mm. I've never experienced that, but I made it a point every single night um, to not only check on the scouting report who it was, and then if I couldn't put a name to the face, I would go to whoever the assistant coach was at the time. Which one is that? Which one is that? And, and you get to know these guys because you play against them. But I would always want to – I never wanted to skate up to them and say the wrong name. So I would look at number six is Chris, whatever it might be, and then I would I would always remember that. So I went up to them with their first name. And I think – yeah, I think it's important. Jax it just sent me a text. Uh, Jax just sent me a text. He's like – Tell Bobby Brad May introduced me to him at a bar in London, England, as our new draft pick. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yes, I do actually. Oh, wow, I did not put that together, but I do remember that. That was right before my first. And I wonder if he did my first NHL game if he was over there with us. I looked For up sure, your yeah. case, but I didn't look up yours. Damn it! Come on, Wally. That's that. what. That's that's what you do. I well, Hanging clearly I'm Mayday. a failure. Yeah. <laughs> that was I will a fun look this trip. up now. My, my, my first was games, a good trip. That was not, oh man, that was a great trip. Yeah, it was. It was a long flight. You fly from Long Beach to Newark, Newark to London, and then you're there trying to get adjusted, and you play two games back to back, and you're out of there. Um, I remember feeling how you know I made the team out of camp, obviously, and played those first two games. The Ducks had won the Cup the year before, and they were on the worst tour. They were you know, the Stanley cup champions. And we opened up three different arenas. We opened up Pittsburgh, Detroit, 
and and maybe Columbus and everybody's just raring to go and to play against these kind of you know that that team and I was like the odds were stacked against me I think I played two and a half minutes in my North American debut and Randy Carlyle said you're you're done for the night just <laughs> be a spectator here you go he did but I don't know yeah he did yeah yeah, yeah. him funny. and Mick Magoo Ah, uh, I scored in that game too. Damn, I wish I, I wish I yep. did. your first I, shot. I, <laughs> first shot, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing I should have asked, and Wally, you might know this. Thirty-six referees, I think you said. How many? How many games in a year does the referee, an average? How many games does he do? I a don't year? know, but I think they're like one hundred and fifty days on the road or something. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, because I was, I mean, fifteen hundred games. Set. Se- 73 games jack said 73 games. is there average i believe so yeah he says he's still listening to the show right now <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great you should have him back on um ask him about the bobby ryan game i'm so disappointed i didn't know he did your first game yeah anyway, refs they're, they're contract know. contracted for contracted for 73 games contracted for 73, 73 games. games there we go Got it. And yes, he's still uh, on. <laughs> um, what a so beer. Okay, we got we got to move on because I, I still got to get to our game show, which is going to be exciting. I know you guys can't wait, but Let's first, the, wait. The Sens are going back. I think we need to address this. The Sens are going back to Sweden. Um, yes, and there's been a lot of chatter about the last time the Sens went. Uh, Yorkie, you and I did the game the last time in Sweden back in mm-hmm. 2017. Uh, that was so Matt Duchesne gets traded on November the 5th. That's the game, if you guys remember, he tried to hide behind the linesman to get off the ice. He got traded in mid game. Uh, yep. seven, six days later, he's in the lineup in call against his former team. I remember just this whole thing was wild. Um, there was a lot of chatter leading up to this about I remember the wives all wanted their well, I shouldn't say all wanted. There was talk that they wanted a private jet to take them over and they didn't get it. And they were there was some discourse about that um and then of course uh uh there was a tweet yesterday bobby that said that uh the reason that the team collapsed afterwards when you guys went by the way uh you didn't go you had a broken finger i know that's shocking to a lot of people uh you guys were eight (laughs) three and five to start the season tied for fifth overall in the league when you came back you guys went uh i think it was 20 40 and six uh, you had lost seven straight just as soon as you came back. One of them was in overtime. So you went 0-6-1. and Didn't make the playoffs for the first time in franchise. Uh, sorry, the first time in 11 years, 12 years. Uh, it was just a mess. So what happened, Bobby? Well, part of it was very, very public knowledge that, that weighed in on it. Um, and this is the Hoffman Carlson you're talking about yeah that you know that came out and that had some stuff going on um you know we we weren't a very good team at that point we were we were running on our power play a little bit to start the year and we changed the whole dynamic of the team over the course of that summer losing guys right um it just wasn't the same team and we got out of the gates. Okay. Like you said, what were we, eight, three and five. So we had a bunch yep. of overtime losses, but yeah, um, I didn't go on that trip obviously. Um, but when they came back, nobody's tired 15 games into the season, right? <laughs> like you're not, you're not tired. It didn't, that, that trip doesn't set you back. We, there's days off, but you know, I don't, I don't want to go into specifics, but there were so many other things that, that accumulated in that year that were not, fatigue um 
and we practice maybe slightly less, um, you know, but we had some guys calling the shots that didn't like to practice <laughs> more, more than, more than, you know, Guy, uh, telling us rest was a weapon. Who so uh, were you? Sh yeah, go ahead. Yorkie. Who were, I'm trying to think back, which players left, uh, via trade or free agency before that season started going back to that season. Because the team had changed quite a bit, right? Uh, well, we lost Meth, right, um, to expansion. Yeah. Um, and we that lost right. Meth because... That was a big one. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. I mean, that's Carl's safety valve, right? Um, and, like, the year before, everything went right for us. The year That year, nothing went, you know. Um, I don't want to say trading Turi was a big thing because, yeah, I think he kind of replaced the offense there, maybe even elevated the offense. But, um, you know, Turi was a staple for us. Um, there was another, somebody tweeted something to me yesterday. And I, I mean, it was, he's like, here's five reasons right out of the gate. Um, you know, teams had the entire off season to watch the video on figure out Boucher's system, all the, all the off ice stuff. Like Melnick wasn't, wasn't not a distraction at that point. That was a distraction. Um, because, you know, some of the things he had said in the media, he, Eric Eric had a major ankle surgery. Brass had a really bad injury. Um, it was like, yeah, you, and then we lost Meth, Neil, Kelly, MacArthur. There, we lost a lot of veterans. It was certainly a change. I don't know. All right. Um, and also, in back in 2008, uh, the Sens go over. Um, and Craig Hartsburg has been, uh, he was named coach at the beginning of the year and he lasted 48 games, uh, as they, uh, started the season in, in Sweden, they went 17, 24 and seven with him. And so, oh, sorry, that ended the string of 11 straight playoff games, uh, seasons. I apologize. Um, it was after the 2017, 18 season, uh, you guys haven't made the playoffs since is what I meant to say. So I apologize. Uh, it just doesn't seem like going to Sweden works in the senator's favor. Uh, would you guys be in favor of playing in Europe for a couple of games? I've done it a bunch. Um, the only way, like, I, I wouldn't want to disrupt the season by doing it in the middle with games played on mm -hmm. either side of it. If you're opening a season, fine. Um, because you're going and you're preparing for two games, you're finishing camp, you got extra players on the ice. Yes, I have no problem doing it for the first game or two or whatever it might be, but you're essentially really, really now loading a schedule based on the recovery time before and after because that's in the CBA. Players get promised extra days off coming back, going forward for the time change, whatever it might be. It, it's kind of a disruption when, you, when you're going in the middle, but I'm all in favor of growing the game and going over, and I think it's going to be incredible to go to Australia to open the season for L.A., and I think it's Arizona now. Um, those are great things, but I don't want to go in the middle of a season and fly seven and a half hours for two games. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, right now, asking that question, absolutely, because – when when you're old and retired, you realize all these great things you get to do, and you never take advantage of them. You sit in your hotel room and don't do anything. If I'm back in my 20s or 30s still playing, I probably don't want to go because I'm thinking about yeah. resting and playing, and, and you, you're not thinking about, 
you think this is going to last forever. So it's it's tough. I get why the players, many of them don't want to do it because you're cre- we're all creatures of habit. It's what we do. Um, but man, they're cool trips to do. And and you don't unfortunately you don't figure these things out till you're older. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I get I get why the NHL wants to do it. And um, it, I'm with you though, Bob. Do it at the beginning of the season. Do it at the beginning. Um, and hopefully you go over there and, and get on a roll. But uh, I, I also too, when you come back, it's hey, you're you're not any more tired than you normally wouldn't be. It's got nothing to do with it. Um, but I, I I would do it. It's a very very cool thing to do. Going to be the former senator that's going to get the start in goal if he's still there. That would be fantastic to see Gustafson in goal yeah. against the Ottawa Senators. Um, and people's heads would explode if he posted a shutout. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, lots of people talking about Germany games. Yeah, it, it's a league thing. They like going to Sweden, first of all. That Globe Arena is fantastic yeah. to be in. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm assuming at some point they may get to Germany, but it's it's been a while for sure. Anyway. Um, Speaking of Germany, I spoke to uh, Christoph Schubert not that long ago. We're hoping to have him on at some point, too. Okay. So um, let's get on to our new segment that we have in the show that Alex and I have been working on feverishly. Um, Alex, when you're ready, play the intro. I'm excited. Oh, no. It's time for Send Spelling Bee, where the contestants try and spell the names of Ottawa Senators players. If I have to spell intense, where I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, this is going to be awesome. Okay, here, here's how this is going to go. I we have uh, I blame Dave Derzinski for this because a couple of weeks ago it was his Ooh. birthday and his name came up, and I was like, I wonder if the guys could spell Derzinski, and then it got me to thinking about there's a bunch of names that maybe you guys can't spell. So we're going to try this today. We're going to give you three names. Uh, and you're going to spell them or try to spell them, okay? Also, I'd like you to give me stick taps to how good these graphics look. Pretty good. Well done. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, Bobby, we're going to start with you first. And we're going to okay. start with the first guy on the list that I mentioned, Dave Derzinski. Um, Dave played uh, 24 games. He had six points. Uh, and you played with him at one point. Uh, he didn't play long. But uh, he was in the system for like six seasons. So Dave Derzinski. Okay. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Spell Derzinski. Am I, just the last name, obviously. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember seeing it on the back of the jersey when he was there. Um, <laughs> D, give me a D-Z-U-R-Z-I-N-S-K-I. Okay. <laughs> I don't even Alex can keep up with that. And just put it like yeah, an I don't think that, there. Okay. That's definitely right. That's definitely wrong. Uh, uh, okay. It's not bad. Uh, Jason York, it's your turn now to try and spell Derzinski. I will say spell it slowly so Alex can help. Man, I was, tr- fill in the I was trying to I was trying to pull him up on hockey DB. I couldn't find him. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, so I had the glasses on because I couldn't see. Uh, D. Derzinski. Let's go with uh, D. O. <laughs> Der Z. 
He's he said, "Oh, Alex." D Der. D E R Z I N S K Y E. Wow. Okay. So I'll take uh, that's uh, you failed both miserably. Oh, come on. <laughs> Alex is still trying to put in the letters. Zinsky. Well in rehearsal. Z I N S K Y Durzinski. Actually, there might be a U in there, but anyways, we'll go with that. We're, All right, so tough. Alex, just you can just spell the name at the bottom. We'll see how how poorly they were at this. Oh, mine this is perfectly at... sounded out. Uh, it is perfectly, but that's not. There you go. Oh, Bob was close. Z Bob was close. Oh, Z Y N S K Y S K I. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I was close. I'm I'm actually pretty okay yeah. with my answer there. Yeah. Yeah, this, is like this is like Brady Shea. Spell Brady Shea. It makes no sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, he was supposed to be the second line center for the Ottawa Senators for many years to come. Alexei Kagarodov. However, <laughs> he played six games in one season and had one assist. Alexei Kagarodov. Uh, Jason York, we're going to start with you. Kagarodov. Yeah. Uh, and you two can't look it up uh, online. Uh, can you use that in a sentence, please? Alexei Kagarodov was not the answer to the senator's needs. Ah, I'll be one of those kids on the spelling bee when they're trying to sound it out. It's not going to work. Kagarodov. K. Uh, H. Uh, a. This music is fantastic, though. G. <laughs> H. K. G. Another A. K. G. R. O. R. O. This is even better than I expected. D. O. F. F. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I was running out of squares. <laughs> Kager Rodolph. Kager Rodolph. Okay. okay. Okay, Bobby. Um, is it? Can you pronounce it? Is it Kaiga Rodov? Yes. Just say it. Yeah, just say it fast. It it's Russian, so you never know. Okay. If, but Kaiga Rodov. Who oh, no. So, if it's Russian, I'm going K. Yeah. Y. G A Kaiga R O D Yeah, yeah, Kaiga R O D O V. Oh, there you go. That's close. It's gotta be Alex. close. Kaiga Rodov. <laughs> oh no, no. Well, that's pretty that's, that's pretty close. Come on. Bobby, I, I don't know how you got intensity wrong. Okay, finally. <laughs> uh, here we, this one, this may take us the rest of the I afternoon. This was the uh, the first goalie, I believe, in Senator's history taken in the expansion. Oh, Sidorkovich. Peter Sidorkovich. He uh, played 64 Peter. games. He went 
eight forty six and three in sixty four because the team was so bad in ninety two ninety three. Okay, uh, Bobby, we're going to start with you because you would have no chance of who this person actually is. I don't think Peter Sidorkovich. Okay, so I'm right. I, I got to write this. Uh, well, as... Yorkie, do not look it up. S I. I think I know this one. D O R. Sidorkovich. Uh, K. Sidor. A. Sidorkovich. Yep. W I C H. Okay. Sidorko. That's not. That can't be right. But. No, it's not. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> uh, Sidorkovich. Okay, oh, Bobby's got Bobby's got another guess still, doesn't he? No. Okay, let's go. S. Y. Yeah. D. O. R. W. Oh, sorry. I forgot the K. Said Dork. Sorry. Said Dork. There's a K. There's a there's a K instead of that W. Said Dork. Oh, that's is wrong. W W I C H W I C H. Said Dorkovich. Uh, this is a reporter nightmare name. Said Dork. There we go. There we go. <laughs> well, I couldn't look it time up in time. Do... I couldn't find it. We'll do Alfredson next week. Two S's. The Swedes always has double. Oh, oh, Bobby oh yeah. What close a... again. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. tough, man. Sidork. <laughs> Sidorkowicz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's extremely tough. Where was See, he from? I need to write it. He's Canadian. What? Is but he? I, I think it. Oh, yeah, oh, but I think oh, it's oh. Polish. But I did look up his. Yeah. Uh, he's a Polish Canadian. That's what it is. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, not even mm. close. Uh, he was born in Poland. I didn't. Anyway, um, well, I appreciate you guys playing uh, our first edition of uh, Send Spelling Bee. <laughs> Just put up a goose egg between <laughs> six guesses uh... and a goose egg. <laughs> Thank you very yeah so we I actually paid money for that music <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right uh, okay that's it uh, we will be back Monday but uh, we'll only do send spelling bee during live shows so the fans so our viewers uh, in the chat can play alongside so I uh, can't tell right. you when it's gonna happen but you guys aren't allowed to go and study the names now. I can probably oh God, of course tell you successfully I won't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, boys. Uh, thank you to Dave Jackson. Uh, he was fantastic. We appreciate it. And uh, to you two, uh, always appreciate your insight. We will see you uh, on Monday, by the way. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. See you, boys. Enjoy the weekend, guys. See you, guys. Coming in hot is brought to you by Botano.ca. Please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.